you know you got no reason to fear, you ought to lift up your voice. Come on, if you know you serve a God who's never lost a battle, you got no reason to fear. Woo! Hallelujah. Somebody lift up your voice. Thank you, Jesus. I got no reason to fear. Woo! Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I got no reason to fear. Look at the other neighbor, the one that you know believes it. Say, I got no reason to fear. Amen. Let's clap our hands one more time in this house. Come on, somebody, let's clap it like we mean it. Come on, let's clap. Let's clap our hands. Let's lift up our voices. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes, Lord, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all can make your way back to your seats tonight. Yes. Ooh, it sounds good up in the house. Ah. Somebody look at your neighbor, give him a high five, and say hallelujah. Oh, you know what we're going to do? Before we even do anything, we're going to do a hallelujah check. I want you to look to your neighbor and just shout hallelujah. Now, if your neighbor looks at you strange, it's time for you to get up and move to a different seat. So try that one more time. Look at your neighbor and say hallelujah. All right. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Ah, I'm excited. I'm excited for what God's going to do in the house tonight. I'm, uh, yeah, God has been definitely dealing with me for the past couple of weeks, and um, I just feel like it's time to finally get it out. <laughs> um, just want to say a couple things. Um, you know, don't think that I'm going to uh, spit fire from my mouth and cut your head off with a sword or anything like that. Um, this message is just as much for you as it is for me. So I want you to know I'm preaching to myself tonight. And I think that's, uh, I think that's one of the best ways to do it. Um, my God, Brother Orn and Brother Malachi. Lord Jesus. Part, a part of me just wanted to walk up there and just say, musicians, uh, just start playing the altar call music. We can just start altar call right now. But um, I believe God's going to do something very powerful tonight. Um, so as you can tell, we don't have anybody roaming on cameras or anything like that. I asked everybody if they can please just lock in tonight. And um, I ask you as your friend, as your youth pastor, and um, let's not be distracted. So before, before, uh, before we get into our scriptures and everything like that, um, let's stand. Let's stand. I want us to pray. And I really want us to pray, y'all. Let's, let's pray that God talks to us tonight. I promise I won't be long, at least I don't think. I'm going to be short, sweet, to the point. I'm going to go from 90 to nothing. So it might seem like I'm doing a lot of reading at first, but there's a point where I'm getting. So before we even go any further, let's just lift our hands. Let's just pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, help us tonight in this house. Jesus, Lord, speak to me, God. Let me be a vessel, God, of clay, Jesus. Let me be sensitive to your spirit tonight, Jesus. Anoint my lips, God, your words anointed. So, God, I'm just asking that you anoint me. God, help me today, Jesus, to give it to them like you gave it to me, Lord. And I thank you, Jesus, for everything you're going to do in this house. Somebody say in Jesus' name, why don't you clap your hands? 
Thank you, Jesus. So good to see Brother Elijah and Brother Seth. My God. Yes. Two fine-looking young gentlemen. Um, I love them so much. And, yeah, excited for what God's doing. All right. Let's get to the point. <laughs> I have three... Three portions of scriptures, if you can open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 9 and 24. The second portion is Philippians 3 and 13 and 14. And my last scripture is 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 8. I'll do that one more time. 1 Corinthians 9 and 24, Philippians 3, 13 through 14, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. If you have, if you have it, shout amen. If you, need, if you need more time, say hold up. Okay, look, hey, it's all right, I got you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's start. Ready. <clears throat> know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. This is what Paul's talking about. He's trying to give us an example, and he says, look, you ever raced somebody before? You know, if you, if you race somebody, you're trying to get in first place. You're trying to be the, where's Jayla? You're trying to be the fastest person out there. I'm going to beat you, though. Anyways, let's continue. Philippians 3 and 13. Brethren, look at your neighbor say brother or sister, where it's appropriate. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. One more verse of scripture, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. For this is Paul. He says, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. And, you know, before I continue, that, that word course, if you look it up in the Greek, it, it means race. So he's saying, I finished my race. I have kept the faith. Verse 8, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And uh, let's just lift our hands one more time in the presence of the Lord. I feel like God's going to do something special tonight. And let's just pray. Let's just say, God, if there's any hindrances in my spirit right now, God, I'm just asking that you get it out. Lord, I want to hear this word. I want, to, I want to hear what you have for me tonight, Jesus. God, speak to us. Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Why don't you clap your hands one more time as you're being seated. All right. So. It's the first part. Oh, let me talk about my title. I'm so sorry. I want to talk about, for just a few moments, the race to finish. Look at your neighbor and say, the race to finish. Oh, that looks sweet. Okay. Somebody shout NASCAR. Sister Sloss, tell Pastor Sloss that I got this from him. So, Stock car racing is a form of automobile racing found mainly and most prominently in the United States and Canada with Australia, New Zealand, Mexico, Brazil, and the United Kingdom also having forms of stock car auto racing. Traditionally, races are run on an oval track measuring approximately 0.25 to 2.66 miles. So imagine a big oval being two miles long. That's crazy. That's just one lap. So, yeah. 
Um, the world's largest governing body of stock car racing is the American NASCAR. Somebody shout NASCAR. And it's NASCAR Cup Series. Is the premier top-level series of professional stock car racing. Top-level races typically range between 200 and 600 miles in length. Now, before I continue any further, imagine going in an oval 200 miles over and over and over and over. And that's the whole race. But if you ask Pastor Sauce, there's more to it. I'm telling you, just ask him. The cars were originally production model stock but are now highly modified. Top-level stock cars exceed 200 miles an hour at speedway tracks and on super speedway tracks such as Daytona International Speedway. Look at here in Daytona. See what I did there? And Talladega Super Speedway, contemporary NASCAR spec top-level cars produce maximum power outputs of 860 to 900 horsepower from their naturally aspirated V8 engines. In October 2007, American race car driver Russ Wicks set a speed record for stock cars in a 2007-season Dodge Charger built to NASCAR specifications by achieving a maximum speed of 244.9 miles an hour at Bonneville Speedway for the 2015 Cup Series. Power output of the competing cars ranged from 750 to 800 horsepower. In 2001 at Daytona 500, the 43rd running event was the first race of the 2001 NASCAR Winston Cup Series. Scheduled, it was held on February 18th, 2001, Daytona International Speedway at Daytona Beach, consisting of 200 laps, of, yeah, 200 laps and 500 miles on the two and a half asphalt tri-oval. During the Daytona 500 at Daytona International Speedway on February 18th, 2001, Dale Earnhardt, was killed in a three-car crash on the final lap of the race. He collided with Ken Schratter after making small contact with Sterling Marlin, these people I don't know, I only know the first person, and hit the outside wall head-on. He had been blocking Schrader on the outside and Marlin on the inside at the time of the crash. Earnhardt's and Schrader's cars both slid off the track's asphalt, banking into the infield grass just inside of turn four. Seconds later, his driver, Michael Waltrip, won the race. With his teammate and son, Dale Earnhardt Jr., finishing second. So I want you to get this picture in your mind. It's the last lap of the race. They're going 200 miles an hour, flying down these turns. And on the last, one of the last turns, this guy gets clipped. And he runs headfirst, well, yeah, head on into the wall. And he dies before finishing the race. And it was in the wake and I'm going to switch over now. It was in the wake of persecution that Paul was rearrested in Greece or Asia Minor, possibly in Troas, and brought back to Rome, this time by the agents of Rome, not at first by the Jews. This time as a criminal, not as first on some technical violation of Jewish law. Paul was indicted, I believe. His trial had proceeded far enough that he knew there was no hope of escape. While waiting in the Roman dungeon for the time of his departure, he wrote this last letter to Timothy, our final text. His friend and trusted co-worker, begging him to be faithful in spite of everything, to trust as a minister of Christ, and to hurry on to, the, hurry on to see him before winter. In the dark hour is one of the noblest passages of scripture. Being executed for a crime of which he was not guilty, 
his friends forsaking him and leaving him to suffer alone. Yet no hint of regret that he had given his life to the service of Christ and the church. No hint of doubt that the church, though now apparently, I say that word strongly, apparently being defeated would eventually be triumphant. We find ourselves in the final chapter of 2 Timothy, the last book Paul had wrote before his death. Paul knew the day of his execution was approaching, not sure that he would ever see Timothy again or even have the opportunity to write him another letter. He begs him to keep his mind on the day of the Lord's appearing. The latter end of our opening text is one of Paul's final words written in the scripture to Timothy. The battle scar old warrior of the cross looking back over a long and hard and bitter fight cries out in triumphant, I have won. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I have won. Look at your other neighbor and say, I have won. Y'all just help me preach. I would hate, I would hate to be at the end of my life, young people, the final lap on the final turn of events and not finish what God has for me. I would hate to take my final breath in this life with regrets of not being everything that God has called me to be. <sighs> Jesus, help me tonight. We're living in the last days, Brother Oren. We're living in the last days. You can look all around. You don't even have to watch the news. You don't even have to be updated on things that are going on. You can just see the kind of day and age we're living in. The day is dark, and it's going to get worse and worse. I want to be just like Paul. Who says, I want to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. This scripture is not about making it to heaven. It's about being everything that God has called you to be. Once you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you escape hell. But after that, there's a greater mission for you, church. There's a greater mission for you to be everything that God has called you to be. Like the Bible says, for God's kingdom, for God's kingdom to come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You have to understand that God's will for your life is already established in the heavens. It just needs to make its way down here on earth. God forbid I barely make it to heaven by the skin of my teeth, but I leave all the people that I was supposed to reach to go to hell. I'll say it again. I said, God forbid I barely make it to heaven by the skin of my teeth, but I leave all the people that I was supposed to teach a Bible study to to go to hell. It's all right, we don't have to shout tonight. There is people God has called me to reach, not only me, but you as well. God looked through the annals of time and saw that there were specific people that needed to be reached by you. Somebody point to yourself and say me. Coworkers, old friends, neighbors. And I'm not just making this stuff up, Pastor Hammond. It's in the Bible. I got Bible for that. Let's hear it. I'm glad you asked, my friend. In Acts chapter 10, there's a man by the name of Cornelius who is a just man. And the Bible says he was on a four-day fast. He was praying for something impossible. You have to understand he was a Gentile. And back in the day, Gentiles could not inherit the promises of God. So he was praying for an impossibility, something that he thought would never happen. And let me just say, let me stop right here. This is not my notes. If you're praying for something you think that's impossible, just keep praying. Just keep praying. I'm telling you, the Bible says that. That his prayers was a memorial before God. You just keep praying until it overflows. Until you have to get God's attention and say, you know what? God says, I have to do something about this. He needed to know this gospel message. Cornelius needed to know. And Peter was called to deliver this truth. It was Peter. It wasn't anybody else. It was Peter. Somebody shout Peter. I got more Bible for that. 
There's an Ethiopian eunuch who is in great authority under a queen by the name of Candace, who is on his way to Jerusalem to worship. And he was reading the book of Isaiah. He was actually reading Isaiah 53, RCA, my, my scholarly people, and, was, and the eunuch was confused and didn't know how to interpret the scripture. But God sent a man by the name of Philip to deliver the word that God had for this eunuch. Philip runs into the chariot, teaches the eunuch a Bible study, and he gives him the gospel message. And the eunuch was baptized in Jesus' name. So don't tell me that, you know, just because that you feel a call to teach someone a specific Bible study, that you can just hand it off to the next person. Don't tell me that you aren't ordained to teach a Bible study. Don't tell me that you're too good to preach the gospel to your neighbor. Or you're too good to preach the gospel to somebody at your school. Don't just ignore the call of God in your life. Your life is more important than just finding a job and getting married and living a life to the fullest. God has need of you. We live in a society where you, that's all that's poured in your face is, I'm having a great life, Pastor Hammond, because I'm successful. I, I, I have a great car. I have a wife. I'm living the life. But let me tell you, that's not, you're not even skimming the tip of the iceberg. Your life is more is more than finding a job. <laughs> Your life is more important than finding a job. I know we're getting hit with life in all matters and ways, but you know what? We're taught by society that as soon as you get out of, as soon as you get out of school, Pastor Hammond, you need to find a job. You need to know exactly what you're doing with your life. You need to know where you're going to school, what classes you're taking. You know, at this age, I'm going to get married. At this age, I'm going to start seeing people. But let me tell you, there's more. God has more for you than just this temporal things. As much as I love my job, as much as I love my cars, as much as I love my house, that stuff is just temporal. That stuff is just so minuscule compared to what God has for us. Amen. Ah, help us, Jesus. I don't ever want to get to the place where my own ambitions get in the way of me being everything God has called me to be. I don't want to be... In, like in Luke chapter 8, Jesus is giving us a parable on how the word of God goes forth. And some fall on different types of ground. But in Luke 8 and 14, he mentions the seed that fell among thorns. Luke 8 and 14 says this. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And bring no fruit to perfection. Now, let's break this down real quick. You have to understand something that there was a time of process. There was a time in this, this point in this seed's life where it was being watered. It was being taken care of. But you have to understand the thorns that grew up with it were just choking the life out of it. And we might feel like we're bearing fruit of the Spirit and I want to bear as much fruit as I can. But I don't want the cares of this world to choke my life of what God has called me to be. I understand that we got lives and I understand that we're busy, but you know what? That does not matter. I know I'm busy just like you, but I don't want my ambitions. I don't want the things that I just want for me to be choking what God has for me. And the Bible says it doesn't bring fruit to perfection. You know what that means? It means there, there, there was fruit that is already being bared. But that doesn't, you can get an apple that's sweet, but if it's, if it's not um, whatever, fruiting to perfection, you can just have a small apple or you can have an apple that's sour. I can't, I, I can't just get choked up with the cares of this life that I miss the mark of what God is calling me to be. 
How many Bible studies, can I just be real? How many Bible studies have we pushed aside because we didn't feel like teaching that day? Because I do too much at the church and I need a break. But let me tell you, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. The most important thing in this world is to reach the lost. You know, that's why God saved you. That's why God baptized you in Jesus' name. Because he has specific need of you. He has need of you to go forth and bat and to teach someone the gospel message. <sighs> Can I just be real? Can I just be real? I'll talk about myself for a moment. There's a young man that I know that he, uh, he was wanting a Bible study from me. And he... Uh, he kept asking me and kept asking me, and I was busy, and I was busy, and I kept telling him, you know, when, when I get my car fixed, and, you know, when, when I get through doing this, when I'm done with this season, you know, I'll, I'll teach you a Bible study. And the Lord, the Lord just dealt with me, y'all, the past couple weeks, because thank God I still have a connection with this young man. But what would, what would it be like if he was just, you know what, I've tried, I've tried, I, you know, I'm, I'm hungry for God, I want to learn about the things of God, and I keep trying to talk to somebody to tell them to teach. I want you to teach me a Bible study. I want you to show me what this word says, but we keep pushing it off. And we go to that person and say, hey, I'm so sorry, I've been busy, forgive me, help me, I'll teach you a Bible study. He says, you know what, I'm not interested anymore. God forbid we get to a place where the people we're pushing off are not interested in hearing this truth anymore. Can I just be real? I have a sister that's not saved, that's counting on me to present her this gospel. I have a young nephew who just hit high school, and he's in a world that's terrible, that he needs to hear this gospel. I have a dad who's 70 years old, and I don't know how long of a time he might have, but he needs to hear this gospel. And God forbid I get so choked up with everything going on in my life that I can't reach them. God forbid I get so choked up that I just want to preserve our relationship and I just don't mention the gospel anymore. God forbid that happens. Somebody lift your hands right now. Just somebody lift your hands. Come on, God's talking to us. God's not just talking to me. It's already been confirmed. God's just not talking to just me tonight. Jesus. I know this is not biblical, but I hear the sounds. I hear the sounds of people crying my name when they're burning, saying, John, why didn't you push to teach me the Bible study? John, why didn't you present to me this gospel message? Whoo, Jesus. John, why is it that you never told me the gospel? John, why is it that you were just so concerned about making me uncomfortable that you never gave me the opportunity to tell me about the goodness of Jesus? Whoo, Jesus, I hear the cries of people burning, saying, I wish you would have just pushed me a little bit. I wish you would have just pushed me a little longer and said, and just keep pushing at me and keep trying and keep poking to teach me a Bible study. I wish I would have known. But let me tell you, we can't wait until it's too late. We can't wait until it's too late to preach someone the gospel. <sighs> Jesus, you'll never find true happiness in your career. You will never find true happiness in your career. I don't care if you go to school for 10 or 15 years, and you know what? You've been dreaming that you'll be a doctor ever since you were a kid. You'll never find true happiness in your career. You won't even find true happiness in your relationship that you're looking for. 
Most of us, we go through this life, we go through these stages of life where hormones are ranging. And you know what? I see, I see my brother and sister, they just got married. I see my brother and sister, they're in a relationship. And that's something I need. But baby, you got it all wrong. You need a relationship with God. You need a relationship with the King of Kings. No relationship can fill that void. No marriage can fill that void of what God has. The relationship that God has been wanting with you is not so you can give it to your spouse. It's not so you can give your time to that person. God's given you your time now so you can spend it with him. Can I just preach this? It's not my notes, but let me tell you. Don't think that it gets easier once you get married. Because you have to develop things now. Because if you don't develop them now while you're single and you get married, you're going to have a lot more trouble trying to get them started. You have two lives that are coming together that ha they have their own ways. You can ask my wife. We... When we got married, we had two different ways of thinking. We still do. <laughs> we have two different ways of living. And when you come together, sometimes you can butt heads. But let me tell you, you need to have some things established now while you're young. Don't wait until you get a career to get your life established. Don't wait until you're out of high school. Don't wait for summer. Don't wait for a break and say, okay, I'm going to fast this day because I'm not going to school. Don't, don't miss out on the calling God has for you, church. You'll never... You'll never find true happiness in having a ton of money and driving the car you want. Can I tell you, for someone who has their dream car, it's not worth it. You can, you, can, you can be envious and wanting something your whole entire life, and you might get it. And, you know, that's how, that's how sin is. I'm sorry, it's not my notes. That's how sin is. You can be wanting it and wanting it and wanting it, and God just lets go. And he says, all right, deal with it on your own. And you know what? It might be good for a season, but let me tell you, it brings forth death. And just let me tell you, this is why people who strive their whole entire life to make a, a couple bucks and to be millionaires or billionaires, they strive through life and you know what? They hit the mark. I made it. I'm a millionaire. I don't have to work any longer. I'm young. But let me tell you, that's why they go and they blow their brains out. Because you know what? They realize I've worked all my life for this. I've worked all my life for nothing. I've worked all my life for something temporal. I've worked all my life so I can just blow it away. Jesus. If you want to find happiness, if you want to find happiness, you'll find it in fulfilling God's will. If you want to find true happiness, my God, you won't find it in a job. You won't find it in someone else. You'll find it in fulfilling God's will. You'll find it in the will of God where finally you can see the kingdom of heaven coming down. And you can see God moving in your midst. And you can see now I understand. Now I understand it makes all the sense. And then everything else will start to align. You have to realize that God will not, will not let everything go smoothly so that he can get your attention. Can I just be real? I thought my life was going fine. I was 19 years old. And I thought life was fine. I was smoking weed every day. I was doing whatever I wanted to do. I was playing video games. I had a job. I was making good money. But my life got turned upside down. And God got my attention. Let me tell you, don't wait until God has to take something away to get your attention. You don't want to go through the pain so you can just say, all right, God, I'm ready to be used. All right, God, I'm ready to listen. You don't have to wait. You can do it right now. That's why I have to press 
towards the mark of the price of the high calling. I have to be everything God's called me to be. I have to be everything God's called me to be. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us. Music, you could come. I'm almost done. But can I warn somebody that we're running out of time? Can I warn somebody for real we're running out of time? James 14 and 4 and 14 says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish away. When we get to heaven, are we going to say, you know what? I'm taking all. I'm taking my keys. I'm taking my fancy Bible, my phone. I'm taking my nice suits with me. But when you turn around and say, where's all my stuff, God? God's going to say, you know what? That's not what was important, son. That's not what was important, daughter. I know you like those things. I know you need those things, but that's not important. What's important is fulfilling, uh, fulfilling my will. You know what I want to be like? Come here, Pastor Hammond. You know what I want to be like? I want to be like when I come to God, I want to be like, God, I brought my friends. God, I brought my family. God, if God's asking me, hey, son, what do you have to offer? I brought my friends with me. You have to understand that God wants you to bring your friends with you. God doesn't want you to leave them alone. God does not want you to leave your friends by the wayside. Jesus. Let me just be real. You don't even know when you're going to take your last breath. You don't even know if this is going to be your last service. I'm not even saying that to scare you. Let's be real. I don't even know if this, is, this might be my last service. And am I going to be pleased? Am I going to be pleased? When I look at the things that, that I've done, when I look back over my life, is this it? I can think about all the times. God, I want to be the best youth pastor I can be. God, I want to be the best Christian I can be. And I say it in the service because I feel goosebumps. And I go home and I just get on my phone. And I go home and I just say, Tomorrow I'm going to start. Tomorrow I'll just start being everything God's called me to be. That's why I'm in a race to finish. That's why I'm in a race to finish everything God has for me. We can go back where Paul says, I finished the race. I did everything I could, Pastor Hammond. I did everything I could, Ganael. And I, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Because you know what? When I look back, I have no regrets. I reached everybody I could. I gave everybody the gospel message. I tried. I fasted. I prayed. I studied. Can I just be real? This scripture shook me years ago. It's Galatians 5 and 7. It says, you did run well. Who did hinder you? that you should not obey the truth. This persuasion cometh not him that calleth you. Let me tell you somebody, we start running, we start running with God and we get sidetracked and we just let God keep moving. But let me tell you somebody, your call keeps moving forward even if you stop. There was a young man by the name of Elijah, coincidentally, and he was in a cave, and he just, God used him to just perform a miracle. And 
Jezebel's breathing out threatenings and slaughterings, even though that's an axe. <laughs> says, you know what? This time tomorrow, you're a dead man. And he runs and he hides. And God asked him, he says, what are you doing, Elijah? This is not where I called you to be. You're letting this lady get you off track. Let me tell you somebody, if you have somebody in your life that gets you off track, it's time to cut them off. I'm sorry, I had to do it with my friends as well. I, there was a point in my time where I was trying to be everything God's called me to be, and I had friends mock me and say, you know what, John? You're an idiot. I'm going to heaven too, and I'm not going to do a thing about it. I'm not doing anything, and you know what? I'm going to heaven. You know what I had to do? I had to step back. And I said, all right, you do you then. And let me tell you, they're not here today. Lewis isn't here today. He's out doing his thing, losing his mind. You telling me that's going to heaven? No, sir, no, ma'am. But anyways, back to Elijah. So God says, Elijah, I have a man for you to anoint. I have your successor for you to anoint. Come here, Naeem. And I'm going to be Elisha, Elijah, and this is going to be Elisha. And you see, you have to understand something. The Bible says the first mention of Elisha, you see him out in the field plowing oxen, 12 yoke of oxen, the Bible says. So you can just walk that way. He's plowing oxen. And you have to understand, back in the day, if you had cattle, you were considered wealthy. So this man had everything going for him. You know what happened? Here, you can turn back around, Pastor Hammond. Maybe he was doing something. Elijah came and laid the mantle on him. You know what he did? He didn't stop. He just kept walking. He just kept walking because he said, you know what? Oh, Jesus, I feel this right now. Somebody's at a crossroads. What are you going to choose? You're going to choose the cares of this life? Or are you going to choose everything God has called you to be? Are you going to choose that girl you're texting or that young man you're texting? Or are you going to choose the mantle of anointing God has for you? It's all right. I know this, is pop this isn't popular preaching. Can I tell somebody to stop playing games with God? Stop telling God you're going to live for him tomorrow or next week. Or I'll teach a Bible study next month. I'll get baptized in Jesus' name next service. I'll talk to Bishop that I feel the call to preach next year when I get my life together. Let me just get a couple of things done first. Let me just get a couple of things out of the way first, and then I'll tell Bishop I'm called. But let me tell you, Elisha, the mantle is moving. What are you going to do about it? The mantle is moving. Some of us are like Jonah. We get our call from God. I want you to preach to this city. It's a city called Nineveh. Jonah goes, well, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do that. I don't want to preach to them. I don't, want, I don't want to preach this message. I want to preach this message. This is what I want to do, God. And he runs away. Runs away from the calling of God. And God will wreck your life in order to get your attention. God will, God will throw you in a boat, throw you in the belly of a, of a fish full of guts and slime and stomach acid just so you can open your mouth and say, you know what, all right, God. You have to understand. <laughs> that was like 120,000 people. 120,000 people were repented and the city of Nineveh was saved because of one man preaching what God had gave him. 
if, if you don't believe that you can reach 120,000 people, don't believe it. But I believe there's people who can. I believe all of us can. We, we walk past people every single day. We walk past people every single day that need to know this message. Jesus. I'm closing. Let's all stand. You know, if you look up the original word for sin, it means to miss the mark. It has to deal with archery. And it's, it's, it's not a coincidence, I think, that we press towards the mark. Do I, do I have any people that say, you know what? I'm tired of I'm tired of missing the mark of what God has called me to be. I'm tired of just making it by barely. I'm tired of being fake, Naeem. I'm tired of being fake. I'm tired of doing these things. I want to be everything that God has called me to be. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I'm telling you, somebody, that weight you're holding on to is not worth it. That weight you're holding on to is not worth it. When you, when you get to heaven and your brother's not there, God's going to ask, why did you let go of the weight? Why isn't your sister here, John? Why isn't your dad here? Why isn't your coworkers here? I called you to reach them. What are you going to do about it? You can't change anything now. You're already here with me. And that's some of us tonight. That's some of us tonight. We're, we're, just trying to, we're just trying to hold our ears and not hear what God has for us to do. God has specific instructions for some of us young people, and we're not willing to do it. But let me tell you, the reward is greater. You can't see farther than God can. God knows the end from the beginning. So you just need to put your trust in him. I've got to strive to be everything God has called me to be. I've got to be everything God has called me to be. No matter what it takes. No matter what God has for me. Come on, somebody. Let's just lift our hands right now. I will be Jesus. Come on, somebody. Let's lift our hands. Come on, I'm pressing towards the mark. The prize of the, the high calling. God, I want to be everything you called me to be. Lord, I agree. Jesus. My Come on, I want to be everything God's called me to be. I know I got life moving forward, but you know what? That could wait. What's important now is being everything God has called me to be. Come on. Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Just talk to him right now. Lord, I'm sorry. It's all right. You can just tell him, God, you know what? There's some things that I haven't been doing that you've been calling me to do. There's some people that you've been having me to reach. There's some people you've been calling me to teach them a Bible study. God, you've been calling me. You've been telling me I should get baptized in Jesus' name. But God, I'm going to listen. Come on.
worth it. That weight isn't worth it. That weight isn't worth it, young people. Come on, Peter. There's a Cornelius you need to reach. Come on, Philip. There's an Ethiopian eunuch that you need to teach a Bible study to. Come on, young person. There's your, your friend at school needs to hear this gospel. Your friend, your co-workers need to hear this truth. Stop running away from your calling. He cut out. 